At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to the Commonwealth Matters. Welcome to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson. I'm here with Ron Hicks, and we are going to talk about Christianity and politics. Whoa, whoa. I thought you weren't supposed to talk about those two things. What is it called, in polite company? <laughs> yeah, the two topics are religion and politics, and you don't bring it up in polite company, do you? But we throw that out the window, don't we, Ron? <laughs> yes. So so on this program, we're going to we're gonna talk about politics and, and uh, the church and mm-hmm. pastors being involved and you know, just a few weeks ago, there were a group of pastors that got together with Governor Bevan, and they uh, prayed for him. Uh-huh. Uh, in fact, they heard a message from the pastor, from the governor. Mm-hmm. They sang a, a worship song. It's very powerful to be in the mm-hmm. governor's mansion mm-hmm. and to hear this yeah. about somewhere between 125 to 150 yeah. pastors and their wives praising God. Mm-hmm. They heard a message from the from the governor who shared his faith and shared some of his. So when story. you say message, like. Uh, uh, a religiously motivated message, like a sermonette sort of it, thing? It, or? it wasn't really a sermon, but it was, uh, he talked about his faith, uh-huh. he talked about his family and some of their tragedies, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, really, you know, the, the governor of Kentucky, Matt Bevan, uh, is a believer. Absolutely. And he makes no bones makes no bone, about yeah. his uh-huh. uh, religious convictions yes. and uh-huh. and his willingness to govern based on those convictions yeah. that he has. Praise God. And, uh, and then at the end, so this is about an hour-long uh, time mm-hmm. we uh, prayed for the governor. I was up mm-hmm. there with a couple mm-hmm. other uh, church leaders, and we got to pray for the Amen. governor. And then I got to share a few words with the pastors as well. Uh, it was a powerful event. Yeah, it really was was awesome to be part of that. Interesting for some people. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> thanks for clarifying. You're right because uh, word got out to the uh, mainstream news media, and uh, within hours of that. Uh, there were reports coming out of the Courier Journal and Lexington Herald Leader saying that the pastor, the 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 governor, had a private spiritual gathering with pastors across the state, and they really didn't have all the information. Mm-hmm. I read both the stories, mm-hmm. and they had little bits and pieces. You know, one of the reports said there were dozens of pastors. Well, it was probably There's closer hundreds. to 150. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, they and it really the purpose there was largely to pray for the governor. Yeah, and yeah. it was powerful, Ron, mm-hmm. to. To come together and to and to pray uh, for the governor to hear a heartfelt message, you know there wasn't politicking going right. on. It wasn't mm-hmm. y'all need to vote Republican. Y'all need to vote for me. Not once did the governor right. say that, mm-hmm. but it was vote your values. It was look at our culture, look at what we're given, uh, educate yourself, be in prayer for our for our nation and for the Commonwealth. Uh, you know, educate your people about the issues, get out and vote. I mean, that was essentially what mm-hmm, was what mm-hmm, went on there. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's a group now called Freedom From Religion Foundation mm-hmm. that is investigating. They said they, there's some kind of wrongdoing. The pastor should not have met uh, with, the, with the governor. The pastors across the state shouldn't have met with him. And uh, we think something was wrong with that. So now, be- you're a pastor. So, so how do you process this? Was there something wrong with this event well and um at the risk of sounding like i'm name dropping i've actually been to one of those Mm -hmm. events um and um 
you know, if a group of atheists met with a governor, yeah. w- would they be with somebody standing at the door and saying, now, listen, you're going to have to drop all those atheistic ideologies yeah. here yeah. at the door because yeah. you're not going to be able to be an atheist or a Buddhist mm-hmm. or a Christian or a Jew. You know, you're going to have to drop all that at the door and you have to somehow embrace some sort of a universal uh, group think. Uh, of course not. I That's mean, right. we have we have freedom of speech. We have freedom of religion. Um, we have all those things, and there is absolutely the only thing in the in the Constitution that it talks about. It it it, uh, it an amendment came across because you used to have to have to take a, a religious test to be mm-hmm. in office, and they deemed that unconstitu- unconstitutional. But it does not say you cannot carry your religion into office. As a That's matter right. of fact, many politicians run saying, "This is who I am. This is what my beliefs are." So if you vote for me, you kind of get an idea of who I am. That's right. If those were illegal, if that was illegal, all that sort of advertisement, all that would be suppressed. Yeah. But it's not. Ron, you know, that's a really good point. We all bring a worldview with us wherever we go, whether it's a Christian worldview or mm-hmm. an atheistic worldview. Yeah. And for this group, Freedom From Religion Foundation, to say, we think something was wrong, we're mm-hmm. investigating, mm-hmm. it's to hold one pretty big group in society suspect it's mm-hmm. and, and to keep them out of political influence mm-hmm. or out of interacting with the governor mm-hmm. or out of even praying for the governor, whereas they're saying, well, we're, we're neutral. Well, here's the truth. There's no neutrality when no. it comes to worldview. No. Uh, if they were to say, yeah, it'd be totally appropriate for atheists to meet with the governor to hear a message— um, that is excluding one group of society and saying you can't be involved, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. can't gather, right. and you can't pray. And by the it way, it's certainly discrimination at that point. It, it is certainly in violation of the Constitution. It, it is because yeah. the First Amendment of the Constitution mm-hmm. says that we have freedom of religion. It's not freedom from religion, no. but it says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. That's right. That's a restriction on the federal government. Mm-hmm. And for a for a non-religious group, an atheistic group, to threaten uh, you know some kind of investigation, I find it to be ridiculous. Our country is made, our political uh, government is is made from the idea that people can influence, mm-hmm. that the different religious groups and people from other worldviews can participate and influence what's going on. It it also says that the government can't keep any of these groups out. So. Right. So if we get that right, that mm-hmm. we all have a different worldview perspective mm-hmm. that we bring into it, mm-hmm. that's that's a good starting point. Sure. And, and, and the Constitution also says that we have the right to be able to address our elected officials um, and, and, and from whatever worldview that we're in. It, it, it would be as ridiculous as saying if Governor Bevan, uh, since we're talking about a meeting he had, if he should happen to have gone to college, say, in Oklahoma, okay, for him to, him to move back to Kentucky – for us, it would be as ridiculous for us to say, okay, now you're in Kentucky now. You can no longer reference anything that happened in Oklahoma. You yeah. can't be a Sooners yeah. fan. You've yeah. got to be a Kentucky fan. You can't have, to have any, any, side, any kind of thinking outside of the state of Kentucky. You have to conform to what it is that we think would be uh, you know, uh, a loyalty to, to this state, to, to, to our right. college teams, and all the rest of that. That's censorship. At its highest. So when you have somebody saying, oh, wait a minute, you can't bring your religious beliefs in here. And if you share religious beliefs with somebody else, you're not able to meet in any sort of a government facility. You have to think the way that I think. That's not tolerant at all. You you know, that's a good point. Uh, And, you know, part of the censorship idea, well, you're censoring away the reality of mankind is that we are physical beings, mm-hmm. but we're also spiritual Absolutely. beings. And to say you have to sever your spiritual life and your spiritual formation from any public life, 
is uh, it's really censoring part mm-hmm. of who you are. There's a Greek uh, word for that. It's called. <laughs> <laughs> that's such. I've never heard that it before. Is, yeah, but it's, that's a, a, it's a obscure Greek word. <laughs> yeah, Ron, and you know, we the truth is, is we are spiritual beings, yes. and this is difficult for many people to really get their minds around because we live in a very materialistic. Mm-hmm culture where we're told that you're just a physical being, you're just maybe a higher form of an animal, there is no God, mm-hmm. there are no moral rules, just do as mm-hmm. whatever feels mm-hmm. good, go ahead. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, is that we do have a soul. Every one of us has a soul. We, we are all made in the image of God, whether or not we realize it. And when we say that, that means that we have different attributes of God that he's imparted to us. That means mm-hmm. we're rational, thinking human beings. We experience emotions, love, and joy and those kind of things. And uh, we are not animals. Hmm. And every fiber in my body, in my being, rebels against that. And for a group to come in and say, yeah, keep your spiritual values out there or keep your religion out there, well, that is an imposition of their values. They're saying, we know better. We're going to impose our secular values. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's no place for that here in the public arena. Well, Uh, we need to take a quick break. We're at the end of our first segment, but I want us to come back and talk about um, whether or not Christians have a biblical obligation to engage in uh, in politics, and also if we have a moral obligation to engage in governing and in culture. So stick with us, and we'll unpack that when we come back in a minute. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. And on this edition, Ron Hicks is joining me, and we are talking about Christians and politics. And Ron, uh, do Christians have a biblical obligation to engage in politics? I mean, is there some kind of a mandate, or is the Bible kind of um, neutral on on that? Well, the Bible, it, it first of all, it, the Bible says whatever you do. Um, uh, there's actually two different um, verses to talk about this. This is the Hicks paraphrase. <laughs> whatever you, whatever you do, what, what in word or in deed, do it all as unto the Lord. So what what I hear the Bible saying is, uh, when I go into the ballot box, when I go into the polling station, when I, uh, whatever it is, whatever I do, mm-hmm. I do it as unto the Lord. So when I'm exercising my civic responsibilities. The Bible tells me I ought to do it as unto the Lord. Yeah. So if I'm if I go into the ballot box and and I and I shut that curtain and I say, okay, this person is against biblical values, but they've promised that there's going to be a chicken in every pot and a brand new car <laughs> in my driveway and all the rest of that. So I'm going to somehow benefit economically, yeah. even though they're against biblical values. Then then I'm going to go ahead and vote for this person, and God's going to be okay with that. I'm not doing that as unto the Lord. That's as a right. matter of fact, I'm doing that contrary to what the Lord has said. So when you say, uh, should a Christian participate in the political process, whatever the Christian does, that'll do it unto the Lord. Now, some people will say, well, then I, don't be, then I shouldn't be involved in politics at all. That way, I don't have to worry about that. Well, um, whatever we do, in word or in deed, do it as unto the Lord. Yeah. If we live in a country yeah. that has laws that says or has the, the responsibility, obligation to choose your elected officials— Okay, now I live in a country where we say this is the, our style of governance, this is how we pick our leaders. Yeah. Whatever you do, to include being yeah. a good citizen, yeah. do it as unto the Lord. So, so yes, we ought to be involved in politics, and yes, our religious principles ought to influence our vote. I, I like that, and, and I would go a step further and say that uh, if you believe in the sovereign God, the one who spoke everything to, mm-hmm. into existence, 
you also have to believe in an all-powerful God. I mean, anybody that, who can speak the mm-hmm. sun and the moon and the stars and the yes. earth into existence, pretty powerful. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. We're talking mm-hmm. about the king of the universe. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. a political title as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. That yeah. means that this is the the God who governs in the affairs of men. He cares about nations. He cares about justice. He cares about governments. And uh, he, God is the first politician. Yes. He's a, you know, politician has a negative term, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. he's higher mm-hmm. than that. He is mm-hmm. the king. He's the ruler over all of the world. Scripture speaks of, of God ordaining government. Romans oh, 13 says, yeah. let every soul be subject to the higher powers for there's no power except that which God has ordained. Mm-hmm. He's ordained government. Um, John nineteen eleven. 11, uh, this is one of my favorite passages that really speaks of God's ultimate authority in placing people in power, mm-hmm. even unjust rulers. Mm-hmm. But this is where Jesus is before Pilate, and Pilate's questioning Jesus. Mm-hmm. And at one point, Jesus is silent, and Pilate got angry, and he said, don't you know that I have the authority to take mm-hmm. your life? And then Jesus shot back and said, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from my father above. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty strong political statement that Mm -hmm. God ultimately behind our rulers and those who are in authority here, Mm -hmm. there's an ultimate authority behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. You know, Ron, there's another passage too in 1 Timothy 2, 2 through 3. It says to um, pray for kings and all those in authority mm-hmm. over us so that we may live peaceful and quiet lives. Mm-hmm. We're told to pray for our leaders mm-hmm. and uh, it's not an option. doesn't mm-hmm. say just pray for the leaders you agree with or right. those that you voted for. Right. We're to pray for all of our leaders. Sure. And I think it follows or you can imply that if you're told to pray for your leaders and hopefully you're praying for God's wisdom to be upon them, sure. hopefully you're praying that God- Whether would, you voted for him or not. That, yeah. That's right. Because mm-hmm. we want good leaders regardless Absolutely. of the political party, yeah. regardless of whether we voted for them. But we should also, uh, when we have an opportunity to make our prayers or to see our prayers come into being, mm-hmm, if you will, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you want to pray for righteous leaders, then vote for righteous yeah, leaders. Absolutely. If you want to pray for mm-hmm, go- just government, mm-hmm. then work for just government. There's a connection. Yeah. You oh, can't absolutely. just pray on one hand. And I'm really right, convinced right. of this, that mm-hmm. you don't just pray and then magically, then you just step out of it and mm-hmm. do nothing. Mm-hmm. But you pray for something and then you see how God can use you to affect that prayer. The tongues in our mouth and the tongues in our shoe ought to travel in the same direction. That, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> so are we going to put feet to our prayers? We've heard that said many times, put feet to your prayers. You know, even going back to the Old Testament, you're talking about politics and religion. When when God was uh, uh, giving the the rules of the of the Passover feast, uh, he, even, he even said, okay, now there's going to be some folks that are foreigners, that are aliens, that that don't that aren't a part of, or there's going to be people that are going to be traveling. And so here, this is how we're going to deal with those folks and allowing them to either celebrate the Passover or, or you know, if people miss the Passover feast, what is it if they're in other countries and things? And so the idea of dealing with folks who are of uh, different ethnicities, different nationalities, and, and participating together as one, those things were kind of talked about in Scripture as well, even when when uh, Moses was was trying to, uh, to to dictate or to be able to be a judge for everybody, his his uh, father-in-law came along and said, "This is crazy. You can't do this all yourself. You're gonna have to appoint judges and the kind yeah. of set up these districts right. and things like that to handle kind of the the civic uh, and civil affairs of everybody." So, uh, throughout the scriptures, we see setting up and ordaining governmental systems, uh, hierarchies, the the whole idea of keeping civility among the people. And um, and then the scriptures even tell us that that governments impose justice that that uh, you know they bring 
uh, criminals to bear and and those sort of things. So so, so religion and politics are commingled through, throughout the scriptures. A- absolutely. And uh, in fact, you see, uh, uh, let's see, there's two books of Kings, first and second mm-hmm. King. You have a book of Judges, mm-hmm. um, and you see God's law mm-hmm. laid out to the Israelites in the in the Old Testament. Um, God gives us a model for justice. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. gives us a model for righteousness. And just to be clear, we're not talking about imposing a theocracy. No. And when I say theocracy, I mean you have people in office who are imposing their particular doctrines. They're right. saying, okay, if you're going to be a citizen of the United States— then you got to be baptized right. or you got to right, make right. sure you go to church. Mm-hmm. We're mm-hmm. not suggesting that at mm-hmm. all. What, what we're talking about at a very basic level is that uh, if you're a believer, you, first of all, you should be concerned about your government and should influence the government. If you're a believer in office, you should allow your biblical mm-hmm. principles to influence and to shape your political thinking and mm-hmm. your political decisions. And keeping that secret, keeping that, to, to say, hey, vote for me, and keeping your religious convictions secret um, and and just saying, okay, once I get in, I'm going to vote biblical values and, and keeping that secret. That, that would be as wrong as saying, hey, I'm a Christian, and then not voting your principles. So, so keeping us, you know, being, being completely transparent is what we should be, and then let the citizenry decide, okay, are we going to elect this, this man or woman or, or not? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, there, there is a danger there, by the way, to flout it. I've seen people. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen it, people well, pandering for votes. Yeah, yes. pandering for sure? votes yeah. and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, putting Christian symbols on right, everything right. and campaign and literature. And, and, and putting a, yeah, a, a uh, Star know, of David and peeling it off and putting something else on. I, I, <laughs> I, would say, I would say let your Christian beliefs and values come through in right. your actions, in mm-hmm. your speech. Mm-hmm. How do you conduct yourself? Mm-hmm. How do you treat other people? Yeah. And then your policy views, too. Are yeah. you pro-life? Mm-hmm. Do you believe in the dignity of every human being? Mm-hmm. Do you believe in justice? And for everybody across the spectrum, let those actions speak louder than your words or any symbol you might yeah. plaster on campaign material. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, when we go to vote, by the way, uh, and we're, we need to take a quick break, but uh, when we go to vote, there are certain things that we should look for in candidates, and Kentucky voters are going to have a chance to do that very soon. Um, When we come back from the break, I want to unpack what uh, Jethro, who was Moses' father-in-law, said to him and said what to look for in leaders over Israel. So we'll uh, unpack that when we come back from this break. At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit commonwealthmatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to The Commonwealth Matters. Welcome back to The Commonwealth Matters. I'm Richard Nelson, and we are talking about Christianity in politics. And just before the break, we were talking about how to think through what a good leader should look like. And there's some really good advice, some sage advice, if I could put it that way, in the book of Exodus. This is where uh, Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, saw that Moses could not take on the leadership uh, uh, requirements for all of Israel. He was from early in the morning to late at night, he was judging the cases that were coming before him. It was wearing him out. 
So Moses said, you can't do it on your own. You need to have some help. You're wearing yourself out. So this is what you, this is what you do. And this is in Exodus 21, I'm sorry, Exodus 18, verses 21. It says, moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. So there are a few qualities there, Ron, that we can look for. First of all, look for for able men, capable people, able Mm -hmm. men from all the people, first of all. Secondly, men who fear God. And this means they realize that they are not the ultimate authority, but God is. Yeah, the word fear, it doesn't mean control with an iron fist. It it means have a a righteous, uh, uh, an awe, spiritual awe. That's right, healthy respect for God. Yes, thank you. Governing Mm -hmm. with that, with Mm -hmm. him in mind. Because, Mm -hmm. by the way, leaders who don't have a fear of God, they get this God complex. Mm -hmm. They begin to think they're God, and Mm -hmm. very bad things happen when, when that's the case. Uh, so able men, men who fear God, those who are trustworthy and hate a bribe. Mm-hmm. These are some really good quality traits that you and I didn't just come up with, Mm-mm. but this is what God right. mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. has in his word. And mm-hmm. this was the advice that Jethro gave to Moses. Mm-hmm. And I would say when we go to the ballot box this uh, November the 5th, uh, we need to look for similar men, men who are right. capable, men who fear God men who hate a bribe and dishonest gain, mm-hmm. and vote for those men. Well, in, in, in the election that's coming up here in Kentucky, we also have capable women that are running. And I want that's to just right. throw Thank that. you for yeah. saying that. And yeah. I, I don't want to throw that because there may be some who are listening and say they're advocating just voting for men. That's not the case at all. Uh, in this particular case, Jethro is talking about the, the structure of what Moses needs to do for the people at the time, a very particular time. And, and so he is he is using the word man here, but... I think that's been expanded, and, and, and we see throughout the New Testament uh, Lydia and Phoebe and a bunch of other that are spiritual leaders in, in the church. And so we're certainly not limiting this, this role of being effective leaders to men, but all those other criteria are, are certainly uh, criteria that needs to be used. You, you yeah. want somebody who's able-bodied and able-minded, mm-hmm. and you know if you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for anything. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know I, tell me what you believe— if I disagree with that, at least I know where you stand. Yeah. And you and I have had all kind of discussions before. We're dear friends, but we don't agree on everything. No, we had a lively discussion yeah. before we did this program. Absolutely. Which I appreciate that because yes. I see that as ironing, iron sharpening iron, Absolutely. right? Absolutely, yeah. Proverbs 27, uh-huh. 17. And says, I understand you more. Maybe you understand me more. Mm-hmm. And I think it strengthens our friendship, our relationship yeah. uh, to be able to discuss and when we don't agree, it helps me to look at things from your perspective yep. and yours from mine. I think if we ha- if we all learn to be able to do that, to be able to say, okay, oh. help me understand where you're coming from. Wouldn't and, that be great if oh, just yeah. in general, if more people could have conversations? If more people the, could be like us. One, <laughs> <laughs> no, because I know how. Yeah, we're not always quite right. But, <laughs> but really, honestly, though, that in our culture today, it's so difficult yeah. to have conversations yeah. over any number of issues, and we need to get back to that. If anything, our culture's breaking apart because we've lost the ability to talk, Ron, to yeah. be respectful, mm-hmm. to listen to other people that aren't like us and don't think like us. But just sitting down and having a conversation is a good thing in itself. Absolutely. What hurts society and, and civility is when you just stay over in your tribe and the other people stay in their mm-hmm. tribe, and you lob bombs, so to speak, mm-hmm. figurative bombs, yeah, yeah. verbal bombs back mm-hmm. and forth. That's not helpful. Not a bit. It's easy to get angry. It's easy to vilify other people. The next step, when you stay separated from other groups in society, mm-hmm. when you vilify that group... The next step is violence, uh-huh. and we're seeing some of that emerge. Absolutely, yeah. And we really can't, if we care about our culture and our nation and 
We want to live in a healthy place. We need to start with these conversations over mm-hmm. tough issues. And what better place than over politics and religion? And here mm-hmm. on this program, we're talking about the intersection of both. Mm-hmm. And I want us to move on to mm-hmm. um, what does Christian statesmanship look like? What are some traits of Christian statesmen? Uh, you know, we, you and I, before the program, we're talking about a few examples out there of presidents or vice presidents. But what are some things that come to mind of a Christian well, statesman? Well, I think uh, I think Jimmy Carter. Uh, look, he, he's in his nineties. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has always, um, and, and I, I've got to confess, he he and I don't agree politically. Um, <laughs> he doesn't know me, but I don't agree with him politically. <laughs> um, but he absolutely models what it is he believes about the idea of loving your neighbor as yourself, investing yeah. in people, the idea of. Have we have some sort of an obligation to be able to help folks who can't help themselves or just need a hand up? And so he absolutely models that. Uh, he's a Sunday school teacher, yeah, yeah. and so he doesn't see. And as a, as a, I believe he was a Sunday school teacher while he was still in the White House, yeah. but because of the publicity, he had to stop. So he saw no conflict at all about being the most powerful leader in the world, yeah. arguably, uh, and also a Sunday school teacher in a small so, Georgia church. So one thing that marks Jimmy Carter is that he has a lot of grace, a lot mm-hmm. of humility. Mm-hmm. You know, grace being he'll be kind to others, mm-hmm. thoughtful of others. Mm-hmm. But a lot of humility too. Kind yes. of, kind of a soft spoken person. Absolutely disagrees. I mean, he comes from a different party as our current president, so they disagree on a lot of decisions. But he doesn't do it with name calling. Right. He doesn't do it with anything else. Uh, speaking of uh, current politics, our vice president is uh, yeah. very, very much a vocal about his faith. Mike Pence is uh-huh. who you're referring to. Sure. Who, who Mike Pence also is very, a very humble. Mm-hmm. Very, he mm-hmm. is soft spoken. Mm-hmm. He is humble. Mm-hmm. But he's got deep convictions mm-hmm. on issues. But you're not going to hear him call names. You're right. not going to hear him belittle. Mm-hmm. And I think that is one of the traits of a Christian leader. You have somebody, I think, so confident in their convictions that they can speak graciously mm-hmm. and with compassion uh, and carefully on the issues. There's no need for name calling. Well, absolutely happens. right, because anybody listening would be able to instantly tell. I mean, if you if you profess to be a Christian and love your neighbor, then you call your neighbor names yeah. with your very words. You have said I. I say one thing and I do another. Yeah. You're you're going to be hey, discounted. And this doesn't mean, by the way, that you're not going to slip up and make mistakes. Because sure. the truth is, sure. is we're all human. We all have feet of clay. Mm-hmm. We make mistakes, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. happens sometimes. But, but mistakes are... and patterns are two completely. Yeah. So if you have a pattern yeah. of verbal abuse and all the rest of that, yeah. that's not a mistake. That's that's who you are. Yeah. And so if you say one thing and you repeatedly do another, well, then you're you're actually saying to folks, so, I'm not who I say I am. So look for those candidates who do, or for those leaders or candidates, who, and there is an election coming up. Uh-huh. And uh, we, we're going to go to the polls in Kentucky on Tuesday, November the 5th, uh, to vote for every from the positions all the way from governor down to the commissioner of agriculture. There are six different seats on the ballot. Constitutional positions. That's right. For the state of so, Kentucky. So look for those uh, candidates who fear God, those who are able-bodied, capable uh, men and women, those who hate a bribe, hate dishonest gain. Mm-hmm. Look for those who are principled, have deep convictions, and then conduct themselves with humility, with grace, and would lead Kentucky in a better uh, direction. We have some resources on our website. Go to CommonwealthPolicyCenter.org, and you'll find voter guides and candidate interviews that I've done. So check it out, CommonwealthPolicyCenter.org. And I love it. You simply ask questions, and in their own words, allow them to respond. And some of the officials, this is my opinion, some of the officials who are afraid of letting their policies be known just simply choose not to participate. I think that's very telling as well. That's that's my opinion, not, not Commonwealth no, policies. That's good. Thank you, Ron. Hey, we need to wrap it up. Thank you. God bless you, and you have a great day.